all of a sudden, as I'm having this pity party up there, he turns around, he looks at me, and he says, Amy. And I'm like, catches my attention. He says, we, he says, you're a prophet, and we receive you in this mission. He says, be yourself. And he says it to me again, and he turns around and he walks away. And I'm like shaken to the core. All of a sudden, I hear the Lord say, he says, what you thought was your worst career move just ushered you into your calling. And he says, you could have had one stream, but now you have access to all different streams, denominations, and nations. And I realized in that moment what I thought was my worst career move, if you will, literally set the course of fulfilling my destiny. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you. You can do the same. Let's get rolling. So today on The Kindling Fire, I have the privilege of having Amy Ward on the show. Thank you for joining, Amy. Thanks for having me. So can you tell us a little bit more about sort of, um, you know, what you do today and and how the Lord uh, uses you? Yeah. Um, Today, uh, we just moved back to Kona um, this last year in July, so I've been back serving on the Kona YWAM base, which is probably the largest YWAM base in the world. And I'm actually on the leadership team of the core leadership team of the campus there. And so I kind of wear more of the broad hat of leadership within Kona, as well as being one of the co-founders of Fire and Fragrance. So I'm still very involved in kind of the vision of Fire and Fragrance, the shaping of where that goes. So Fire and Fragrance is a ministry that runs inside of YWAM and also is a discipleship training school. And then also bring some leadership to Circuit Riders, which is another ministry within um, YWAM as well. But that's based out of Huntington Beach, California. So I travel and speak on different YWAM bases around the world on usually the topic of the Holy Spirit, leadership training, a number of different things. But uh, in Kona, I'm just kind of doing many different leadership um, responsibilities, but carrying a lot of the more of the prophetic word insight, kind of helping bring us into remembering to sort of check in with the Lord and hearing his voice and uh, asking the Lord what he's saying for our base, for our mission, those types of things. Yeah. So, so you are uh, known as really hearing from the Lord uh, prophetically. Can, can you give a little bit of a backstory? Like, when did this stuff start happening for you? Yeah, um, actually, it really started to happen when I was 16. Um, I'm originally from Alaska, so I was born and raised in southeast Alaska. My parents were uh, homesteaders, commercial fishermen, so I grew pretty unique in the Alaska wilderness. And then um, I had a pretty tormenting season of my life from about 10 to 16 years old. No one really knew. I kind of kept it pretty quiet, thought I was 
having mental issues, um, dealing with depression, self-hatred, that kind of a thing. And when I was 16 years old, I was in a small little church in southeast Alaska, and uh, some ministers came through ministering on the subject of freedom and and healing and those sorts of things, and I, I didn't even know I needed it. I had no idea. So I had a pretty significant encounter with God right after uh, my 16th birthday where the Lord really set me free from uh, demonic torment, really, and especially over the issues of suicide, self-hatred, all of those types of things. And so it was just a very, maybe a few weeks after that encounter with the Lord in that freedom that I realized that I had uh, had a gifting in the area of the prophetic, and at that time was very much in the realm of seeing, so having the ability to really see into the spirit world as though it was very real, which came as quite of a shock to me, and uh, it wasn't something I really wanted. It wasn't something that a lot of people around me even really knew what to do with. So it started at 16 and um, 18 years old. Went into I went to uh, ministry school in North Charlotte, North Carolina, a Morning Star Ministries there, and that was in 1998. So at the time, that ministry with Rick Joyner, um, you know, there's many names that come out of there. But at that time, it was a, one of the main cutting-edge ministries in America, really, on training young people in the area of the prophetic, spiritual warfare, that type of thing. So it's, it's quite a wild story of how God led me all there. But I um, started ministry when I was 19 and have been on a journey of the last 20-some years of walking this out. So started young, but didn't really really become known um, for these and probably until I got into my later 20s was when maybe other people started to recognize it outside of my own community. So um, one of the really amazing stories that I've heard you share was about identity. Um, uh, you know, it's very easy when God has given you something supernatural and, and unique to really uh, kind of wrap an identity around it and being used by the Lord in that way. Um, but I, I've heard you share a story where the Lord really helped you decouple his gifting from really who you were and his feelings for you um, through, I think, a pastor, uh, I believe, if I remember the story correctly. Where he, yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you share that story? Yeah. So when I was in my early 20s, I was a part of a ministry school up in um, near Anchorage, Alaska, in a place called Wasilla. Had a real spiritual father leading that and really mentoring me, not because he was gifted in the same way, but more just because he was a, a father. And so while in, in that ministry training environment, he really had a sense after watching me probably for about a year or so that I had really taken identity in my gifting and my calling. and. You have to take in consideration, I left home at 16, and I was dealing with a lot of just things that come with that, health issues, and so I didn't have a whole lot in my life besides the gifts. So I went from being extremely um, depressed and dealing with rejection and self-hatred to getting radically free, but in the next moment, like having a very strong gift for someone so young, so that as though like I had the superpower all of a sudden, and my heart was, yeah, my heart was pure and like as far as I wanted to do good and, and I wanted to use this for Jesus and live for Jesus. So my desire was totally to serve him, but in my own immaturity and not knowing any better, 
I completely wrapped my identity around this, and I didn't know that. But my spiritual father had enough sense to recognize that and not shut me down and not quench me, but to, but to more disciple me through it, which is the key there, and to say, hey, why don't you take a season of public ministry off? So at that point in my life, I was already, you know, in, in anything that we were doing, I was usually right up there in front, you know, ministering, you know, publicly prophesying over people, all of that. And so he just kind of encouraged me to step out of more of the public eye of, of, of ministry, but still being very much involved in leadership and all the other responsibilities that I had, and really just focus a season of my life on, as he said, it, learning to be just his daughter and just be okay with just loving Jesus. And I didn't want to do it because I was afraid, well, once you take this away from me, I'm not going to have anything. Mm-hmm. And I was afraid just of my own self, I guess. But I knew that he loved me and that he had his you know, intentions for me were, were so good it wasn't out of insecurity. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I just went after a season of my life of um, really just seeking the Lord and asking God what he thought about me, you know, just kind of normal questions. And very, very quickly into that season, um, the Lord just convicted my heart so much. And I realized that I had completely taken identity and I had no idea who I was how he felt about me really outside of this and actually how he felt about other people because sometimes with the prophetic it's in for people that have this type of a gifting it's not as um connected to your heart as you might think it actually feels kind of just like this is just what i do and so your heart doesn't naturally connect to what you're saying sometimes it just feels like almost robotic in some ways i mean it's not I mean, you still get caught up in it, right. but it, it's not necessarily like your emotions or your heart of love is moved. You're just giving the information that you're picking up or hearing, however it is. Yeah. So I realized that I had done that, and I was so convicted and just broken that I actually said to the Lord, I never want to do this again unless you give me your heart for people and you show me how you feel and how you think. And I don't want to minister out of my gift, but I want to minister out of my relationship with you and so I really was broken over that probably year of just pursuing God in many different ways but went on a journey of learning to love is the way I say it and him beginning to speak to me not information about people but more about how how he felt about people who they were um you know things that were just always more related to them becoming who God had created them to be and me partnering with that Mm. so out of the place of love yeah, that that is, that's awesome. Do do you feel like you've visited that that uh, year away that the Lord really helped to build a put a foundation in your life, <laughs> just for you personally? Yeah, like you know, this is something that that you have to continue to align. Just yeah. like you know, I feel like it comes normal to me to really hear God in that way, but it's something that you always have to be aware of in ministry is that you're continually pulling from that place of relationship and that place of love and that because with gifting sometimes it's easy to just sort of revert back to what what's easy um but to be disciplined to always come from the place of god's heart and not just out of your abilities if that makes sense yeah yeah the so one question that comes to mind is how and, and I, I'm sure that you have, you know, heard from the Lord, even felt from the Lord for so many people, you know, since those years. 
Have you found that the Lord kind of tends to put you in people's lives or, or, or you become a vehicle of something God wants to say sort of? Is there, this is maybe my, my analytical mind working here, but like, uh, like where there's a trend, like when like you'll come into people's lives at certain times more often than, than other times? Do you, you understand the question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity if you've yeah. seen that. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to come into people's lives in several moments, I think. I mean, this is somewhat based on their feedback. I mean, there's many times that I minister to people, and then I never know what exactly happens because there's just people in a ministry meeting or whatever. But then there's a lot of people that I track with over their life, and then I'm in and out. So I would say that there are people that I feel like the Lord has assigned. You know, there's a relationship of assignment. So... I'll have many significant moments in a person's life, and it always will be very timely when it comes to their growth or their acceleration or, you know, a new season in their life that somehow the Lord will bring it back around. That's definitely the case. But it's, and oftentimes um, I'm brought to leaders, and so without even trying. So I can walk into a room, and oftentimes the ones the Lord will speak to me the most about or current leaders or future leaders and it wouldn't necessarily be because they were introduced that way. That's who I have a natural drawing to, is to um, kind of bring out the, those giftings in people through the word of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I, and I think that, that that component, as people try to really step into the things that the Lord is asking of them, um, the prophetic really becomes a kind of gas on that fire, if you will. Uh, you know, yeah. or a catalyst to get them from sort of a stuck place to kind of increasing their faith that, okay, this is possible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times the prophetic word is really meant to be a confirmation of something the Lord has already spoken to that person. Yeah. And the timing of somebody prophetic coming along and affirming that is usually the, the moment that that happens, you know, there's, some, there's a transaction that takes place that, usually brings courage and faith to step out into it. Yeah. So how did you get from um, uh, kind of being involved in, in Morningstar and some other ministries to YWAM? Like, wh- how did that actually happen? Um, I mean, I've, I always knew of YWAM. I had friends that i known in my younger years that went there, but had very little interaction with it. And um, I was actually running a, a summer school ministry for high school kids um, in Alaska, and I took them on an outreach, and there was a YWAM base in Alaska, in Homer, Alaska, that was running a, its first DTS, a Discipleship Training School. And I called them up to see if we could bring a busload of kids down to, um, to, do a, or to do our outreach there. And the man that was running that school was Andy Bird, who is the other co-founder of uh, Fire and Fragrance, and his wife, Holly. And so he just happened to be, he's from there, but he happened to be running that school. He was living in Maui at the time. And so in that moment, God actually spoke at that time I was there that one day I would work with, with Andy and Holly Bird, and I had no context for that because we lived in different states doing totally different things. And so through a series of pretty dramatic words of the Lord, actually, the Lord started to move me, and um, I was driving down the highway one day, and not I was moving to Oregon, of all places, for just uh, for a season. And anyway, as I was driving down the highway, the Lord spoke to me. He says, Amy, I'm going to release a wave through youth with a mission. 
know, the whole foundation of Youth with a Mission that I did not know at the time is based on an encounter that Lauren Cunningham had at a young man where he had a vision of a wave of young people. He says it was massive and it was millions and it was coming from everywhere, going everywhere. So the whole um, birthing vision of Youth with a Mission was this very word. I didn't realize it until later because I hadn't read the book. So um, over that next year, the Lord kept speaking to me about what he was about to do with Youth with a Mission. And at the time, I didn't necessarily think of that as a place that I would ever want to be a part of, that God was moving. It wasn't even on my radar. And uh, through a series of very um, detailed words the Lord gave me and that I would be working with Andy and Holly Bird, well, that ended up all taking place. And during all of this, Lauren and Darlene Cunningham, the founders of YOM, actually approached Andy at a gathering that he was at to pray about moving to Kona and helping really be involved in the prayer and worship side of things and that part of the campus. And he didn't even know that they knew existed at the time. So he kind of came back to, to me and some people and said, hey, we guys pray about coming. And so I had no desire to do a DTF or any of that. I'd already been ordained minister for a number of years, kind of doing something different. But again, uh, prayed, got a hold of all my prophetic friends, and uh, the word of the Lord came through. This was truly the Lord. And so it was out of obedience and, you know, words of the Lord that I got involved. But the way that I say it is this, and I love to tell this quick story, is that prior to this, you know, with my gifting and calling, is that I only knew really the world of conferences because people with my gifting, oftentimes that's what they do, and this is not saying that this is wrong, but, you know, when you're a young prophetic person, you're kind of being groomed for that culture and very much in the stream of the charismatic, and, and I love all that, but that's my world and what I knew. And so when the Lord led me to come to YWAM, in one sense it felt like I had to tone some of those things down, not because YWAM is, you know, not accepting of that. We're very much a spirit-filled mission, but we're way more broader, and uh, you have to sometimes use less charismatic language because of the, the people that you're with, and rightly so. So there's a part of me that was having that moment, and, um, and you know, this is a vulnerable story, but I'll tell it. It's, I'm on the stage in Kona leading something out and on the worship team, and I'm having a pity party with the Lord, like truly <laughs> complaining that I can't believe this, you know, I can't be myself here, how do I even do this, you know, like just whining and complaining and saying, this this like seems to like the worst career move ever. And Lauren Cunningham was in the room leading out this prayer gathering we're having, which is awesome that the founders are around, you know, and he can't hear me. Nobody can hear me. These are just my inner thoughts. And he knew about who I was. He, I'd had some interactions with him around the prophetic, bringing some words to YWAM. So he, he knew who I was. He knew my giftings and all of that. But all of a sudden, as I'm having this city party up there, he turns around, he looks at me, and he says, Amy, and I'm like, catches my attention. He says, we, he says, you're a prophet, and we receive you in this mission. He says, be yourself. And he says it to me again, and he turns around, and he walks away. And I'm like shaken to the core. All of a sudden, I hear the Lord say, he says, what you thought was your worst career move just ushered you into your calling. And he says, you could have had one stream, but now you have access to all different streams, denominations, and nations. And I realized in that moment what I had thought was my worst career move, if you will, literally set the course of fulfilling my destiny. And so sometimes you have to let go of your styles and 
your ways of doing things and how you think it should go and lay it down and surrender. And that's usually when the Lord says, all right, now here's something more above and beyond you could ever imagine. <laughs> that's a really good story because it's, it's a very common story. Like what it's, a, you know, you didn't expect that to be the outcome. You're like, well, this is, you know, this is a loss. And the Lord's like, no, yeah. you're actually gaining far more than you even realize. That's really good. Exactly. Do you think that it's a? Um, do you feel like you had to um, kind of walk through the door of humility to kind of go through the doorway of the DTS with YWAM after what you? Oh, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, okay. Yep. You know, that's one thing about East with a mission is that um, actually Lauren calls it the sheep dip. Um, if you know anything about raising sheep, every sheep becomes the sheep dip. So in other words. Every person, no matter your background, calling, uh, everything, we all go through the same door of DTS. And so, yeah, I mean, I'd already been in ministry for a number of years, ordained, did I don't know how many years of ministry school, Bible school, whatever. So it was definitely humbling. Um, but I knew it was the Lord. So when you know something's the Lord, it definitely gives you grace to deal with it. Um, so it wasn't like it was a miserable experience or anything. And the Lord did a lot, but still humbling. into the promises that God has for you and your family without resisting and fighting back. Do not be a passive pew sitter. I created the War Songs Worship Playlist on Spotify to help train you to use worship as warfare, as an offensive weapon, to help you take back things that you've just let let go in your children, in your family, in your personal life, and you just are waiting for God to do something. God will do something, but He wants your faith engaged. Engage with Him. These songs will help you engage. Give it a listen and follow today. Really quickly, one of the things that I was very impressed with in the podcast, and really it was you, you sharing at a DTS, I believe, is... Um, there's a scripture in John 3:21, and I'll do the English Standard Version. It says, uh, "But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God." The idea is that you come to the light, sort of full disclosure, and then when your works come, or your prophetic words, or visions, or whatever God does, it's very clear to see that. Um, you know, you've kind of laid out what, what I've heard you do, and I've heard actually most of the speakers do, which I find I really love, is they kind of tell their testimony. This is who I am. This is where I came from. Here's where my fears have been. This is what God's helped me overcome. You know, and you kind of get this whole background, and then they're like, okay, now we're going to do the thing, you know, that the Lord you know, has gifted me in. And and I, I just, I guess it's just a compliment to you that uh that, that is a phenomenal way to help people really, you know, n- not hero worship the prophetic. Because I've been around charismatic circles for a long time and Morningstar and all that stuff. And, and you get that culture. You know, it's just like, whoo, they walk in the room and it's just like, where are the angels, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. it, it, can get un- it can get unhealthy, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah. And so... Yeah, I... <laughs> I... You know, I mean, I'm called to lead a, a younger generation. I mean, that's 
and I want to model to them. I want them to feel empowered, and I want them to feel like I can do this too. And so for me, I have to dismantle any type of um, putting me on a pedestal, separating themselves, saying, well, the only reason that she does all these things is because of, you know, she has this gifting where I feel so much like I have to show them my vulnerability. And I don't believe everyone has to do it to the level that I'm called to do it. But because I do have a gifting that is, can be intimidating or can be, um, you know, put in a different category, however you want to say it, is it can be, you know, idolized or whatever. But I really feel called to dismantle that more than maybe most would be asked to do so that I can remove the separation between me and them, knowing that, yes, there are some things about me that are unique and sovereign that not everybody has. But I have why I'd really try to say, you know, I want to do all of this out of my relationship with Jesus, not just out of my gifting. And so if we all do what we're created to do out of a relationship with Jesus, then anything is possible, whatever that might be. So um, that's kind of the, the road that the Lord asked me to walk is the dismantling of the, the mystical part and the separation for vulnerability. Mm. That's so funny because the title of what I wrote over this conversation was Prophetic Vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. And and do you feel like the Lord has challenged you in different times to be like, I want you to share that story? You're like, God, I want to, I don't want to share that story. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. I'm pretty used to it now. I feel like, yeah. You know, there's very few things that, I mean, every once in a while, the only thing is that sometimes you have to um, not be as vulnerable is because you have to remember that you are talking to sometimes uh, immaturities and you don't know where the room is. Right. Is that if you're sometimes too vulnerable and like what you're currently struggling with, though you know it's not, uh, let's say if I'm currently struggling with, um, let's just say I'm, I'm going through a season of, and depression's coming at me. And it's not saying that I'm depressed and that I need to go to the doctor, but I'm just dealing with like depression or I don't know how you might say, or sadness or just fighting, you're overcoming. But if you were to get in front of a bunch of people with a level of maturity and you were to say that, it would make them feel afraid because, like, oh, my gosh, my leader is might be on the verge of something wrong because they don't have the maturity to realize, oh, hey, strong people go through these things. They're fine. So yeah. it, it just depends on what it is. You have to – you can't share vulnerability to the point that it – would go the opposite direction if that makes sense. No, no, that no, that's a good. That's a, sounds like wisdom t- speaking right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Years of experience right there. That's that's really good. So, uh, yeah. I, so one of the things I, I'm really curious about is kind of well, you've you've I, I've heard the story of sort of like the circuit rider story, but that was several years ago. What I'm very curious about is how you have seen God kind of fulfill a lot of, or are fulfilling the vision of kind of what God entrusted you. Maybe you can touch on, you know, what that vision was and kind of what's going on and how it's kind of tied together about the circuit writers. Yeah, specifically to that part, the circuit writers, um, it was in 2010 that I actually had an angelic visitation full on in the natural or an angel appeared in my house dressed in colonial clothing and he actually spoke out loud and part of the message of what he said was the Lord was going to release his circuit riders again and at the same time seeing a vision of lines of fire 
crisscrossing America going into uh, other nations, and a, a phrase appears, fiery-eyed revivalist. And then um, a number of months later, I had a second visitation with the same exact angel that spoke about it coming out of Los Angeles, California, sweeping across America, and gave some more details. And so the first school that we ever ran was in 2011 um, in Kona, where we trained young people and just simple gospel, how to preach the simple gospel. And so the one thing I have learned the most about this is that when God gives you an encounter, oftentimes, because it's from a timeless place, if you will, um, that every year it unfolds even more. And mm-hmm. so it's not very, it's not even that it has a lot of details. It's that it has dimensions. And so I feel like sometimes when God speaks, you know, we only are able to interpret it through our current framework. Mm. Well, as we grow in God, our framework changes, and we begin to have revelation, things that we wouldn't have known, and, and things happen in the earth that hadn't happened before that sometimes make things make sense. And so I feel like still, as simple as the word was, it's still unfolding. And so now it's been, you know, uh, I guess well, 2011 or 2018, so, you know, it's been a number of years since we've been running these schools, and and now not even schools anymore. Now it's turned into a whole movement um, across America and, and colleges and tours um, on universities and the preaching of the gospel. That I've really seen um, an increase in culture changing and young people to boldness and courage and truly like the circuit riders of old. So actually sometimes when I stand back and watch this, it, I'm quite undone by seeing what God has done with it. And that has nothing to do with me you know like here, here's the thing i'm the message i was the message carrier and that i brought the original message from the lord the lord gave me but i'm not the one that that really built it out or created it and that's what's so great about working with the team and about how the apostles and prophets work together is that my job is to hear the lord and you know speak into things that the lord would speak but circuit writers is what it is today because of so many people's obedience and really more to do with other people than even me. I just had the original vision. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, so I've been, uh, I've known about, um, uh, YWAM since my twenties, really when I got radically born again in college and which was many, many years ago. (laughs) And, uh, and to see what God has done through the circuit riders and fiery fragrance, it's like, it's like a whole new generation. It's sort of like setting the stage of a whole new fire for all of YWAM. That's what I've seen uh, as an outsider looking in, right? Uh, it, it's just been incredible. Um, and the thing that I actually had a chance to talk to Brian Brent, and he and I talked about the connection to Keith Green. Because I remember, not that I'm this that old, but I do remember in my 20s where Keith Green was going around, very influenced by Lauren Cunningham, you know, calling people to missions. And that was the very last thing he did before he, yeah. he passed away. And there really That's had right. not been a big thrust of mobilization for missions since that time. You know, That's I, true. And, and, and now the, to see it just campus to campus all over America and into Europe, uh, you know, calling young people to give themselves to the gospel for the nations of the earth. That's, that's the hand of God. It's exciting. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it is. that's true. You know, it's, it's, uh, honestly, we feel like we feel like sometimes it really is about coming into agreement with what the Lord's saying. And our whole motto is simple obedience changes history. And I, I can't tell you how true that is. It's like we don't know what we're doing most of the time. I mean, we know to a point, but it's like, well, only God can do this. And so when I look at things, you know, people would say the success of circuit riders, the success of fire and fragrance, yeah, there's a lot of hard work. I mean, a lot of hard work. A lot of people only knew sometimes the level of what these young people, especially for circuit riders, are giving themselves to the amount of hours and just sheer, you know, work is, is real. But only God could do something like this. And we stand back and our mouths sometimes are, our jaws are dropped at what God did because, you know, if you could sometimes hear the backroom conversations of the Brian Brands and Andy Birds, we're just like, we're just undone by God's goodness because none of us on our greatest day could have up something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. So I'll, I'll end with this question is, is as far as what you might be hearing from the Lord now and sort of even uh, for YWAM or, or any of the, the things you're involved in as far as, you know, just kind of where God is pointing, you know, um, or, or even expanding where he's spoken before to you guys. Uh, if, if, you know, just kind of anything that you feel like is, you're, I guess you're believing for, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I am very much, you know, like, I kind of feel like a mama in a sense when it comes to, to circuit riders and to fire and fragrance and carry that very, very much in my heart and mm-hmm. I'm involved in it all. But for me right now, to me, this actual word that Lauren Cunningham, of Lauren Cunningham is about the wave of young people, you know, millions going from everywhere. And I, I, all I can hear in my own spirit is the wave is coming. It's now. And so as, you know, this combination of circuit riders going across America and the increase of students that we're seeing coming through, I believe we're in that moment. You know, I've asked Lauren personally, have you seen, have you seen come to pass what you saw in that original vision? He said, no, I have not. And of course we've seen it, you know, happening, but it, it's like the story of there's a cloud the size of a man's hand, but it's coming close and it's about to rain and having this supernatural acceleration to run. And so I really feel like we are in a real, we're in a moment, um, in a real moment where there is the building of that wave of young people. And I think we're about to see such an increase of young people going into missions, you know, both doing business and being in the spheres and having this, but also being in missions. I think we are in a massive transition in the body of Christ even but to really see every single nation, tribe, and tongue hear the gospel of Jesus. And, you know, we're, we're closer to that being done than, than ever before. And there's really not, you know, the numbers are decreasing daily of how many people have heard the gospel. And I think Jesus is getting ready to come back, you know. But at the same time right now, the way that I say it is we have to prepare the way that's coming it's coming soon, and there is a grace to supernaturally run right now. And so that's the primary word that I'm carrying, you know, grace for expansion in the same way that we are dependent on God for, you know, how are we going to pay for this? What are we going to do? We're dependent on him to increase our capacity 
to do things that without his grace are impossible to do to prepare for the magnitude of what the Lord is doing. So mm. that's kind of what I'm carrying right now and the word that I'm releasing everywhere I'm going, um, both in the church and in the missions world. But now's the time to, to run because it's coming. Mm. That That is an awesome place to end it. The uh, May God raise up just so many Billy Grahams, right? Just right. release the evangelists. It's so exciting. It's exciting days. Yeah. You know, the other thing, I and, and being older, and, and uh, you know, I just, I'm just so excited for the, the generations, right? You know, it's just not just the young. It's the young. It's the old. God is moving across the generations to mobilize. It's exciting. It's exciting days. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking time to, to, to share a little bit of your story. If, if people want to get in touch with you or support um, you or in, and your husband uh, in, in ministry, where, where should they go? Uh, we just launched a new website. It's called forward mis- www.forwardmission.org. All right. Awesome. Cool. Forwardmission.org. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I um, thank you again so much for your time, Amy, and uh, really, God bless you. All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, you've reached the end of the podcast, and this is the part where I'm going to tell you some cool stuff. First off, go check out our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can become a fire starter. I've got a Facebook Messenger community that is getting updates and uh, are able to subscribe to 30 Day Fire Starter Challenge or Bible Devotionals, and it's all through Facebook Messenger. So you got to go to the website and sign up. It says join the fire starters. That's the number one thing. Number two is I love music and I love worship music. And so I've created some great playlists on Spotify. If you use Spotify, just search The Kindling Fire and you'll find the playlist there and you can follow those. And lastly is on Instagram, I'm kicking off Firestarter Fridays. And so every Friday, I'm going to be posting uh, motivational videos. So if you are on Instagram, go follow us at The Kindling Fire and be sure to check us out every Friday. Okay, I think that's it. Be awesome.